0: We exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Can we clap again for the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of God? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say welcome to those, uh, again, that perhaps are here for the very first time, who stumbled upon us online just by accident, and here you are, worse with us, or somehow or another you got on this train yeah, weeks ago out of the station from another place, another state, another location, and uh, you, you joined us for worship. Welcome, or maybe you're here on site. Uh, for the first time in a long time or the first time ever, we know it's the time of summer. People are moving in and kind of, okay, now school's about to start. We've got to find a church home. And uh, we just say thank you for allowing us to be a part of this day uh, in your life and your spiritual journey. In case we've not met, my name is Rick. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you're in the house particularly, I'd love to meet you out in the crossing afterwards. I'll be standing, other staff will be too. Uh, but I would just love to say hello and, and give you an official warm welcome to this place that we love and call Pathway Church. Now, I need to kind of begin here by saying a quick little thank yous. And, and the first thank you is, is to you, as a church body, who have supported me and prayed for me. Uh, while I, in my family, while I've been on this kind of midsummer break. This is my first time back in a, in a while here uh, in this role. And uh, You've been so kind and encouraging and patient, and I appreciate that, but I also want to say a special shout out uh, to our church session. The church session is the highest governing body in this church, and they just didn't encourage me. They almost insisted that I take a summer break. I think they were trying to tell me something. I'm not sure, Uh, but I'm very appreciative and grateful for their support and for our church staff. If you've not met the larger church staff uh, we, we've got over 30-plus people. When you count uh, part-time people, when you count our Christian school, it gets up into 60 people. Just an amazing number of people on this ch- in this church staff who just didn't keep us afloat. They kept us thriving and on course, and I'm just so proud of the leadership of this church. I told them last, this last Tuesday when I showed up for all staff meeting that I think today if I filed an application to get a job here, I wouldn't get hired because their talent is so great, uh, I, I couldn't fit in because they're just such a high standard. So thank you to our incredible staff that I get to work alongside of. But not only that, i gotta, I got to say a personal thank you to, to Chris Bohan and Cheyenne Davis, who I thought just did a fabulous job teaching us uh, about God's Word. And um, in, 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 case, in case you don't know, both both Chris and Cheyenne. Chris kind of grew up in this church in many ways, and Cheyenne got here as quick as she could as a young adult and grew up in this place, and they were a product of you. Think about that. They're a product of you, and it's so exciting and refreshing uh, to see this happen in the life of the church. And I'm just so proud to to work alongside these young teachers that are just thriving and growing in in what they do here. And uh, I I made a little deal. Chris Mohan didn't know I was going to do this, but whoever in this worship time grabs hold of one of these balls right here, you go give it to, to Chris Mohan, and he has to give you a free deer meat from his freezer. Okay. And you tell him I said so. Okay. Uh, He is a hunter. He loves to do that. And so you can go redeem that for one deer steak out of his freezer. Okay. And go tell him that I, I I think he probably, he's probably here. He he hears that. Okay. Somewhere. Cheyenne done hunts. Why you can't do that with him? And if you didn't get one of these and you want one of these, just stop out here in the crossing. Uh, They're giving them away. But if you got it here, you can redeem it. Okay. And these are stress balls. We got teachers going back and students going back and, uh, there's some folks out here next to this space that we're about to enter into here in the coming fall If you want to learn more about our building space, that's where you get this They'll just kind of tell you about it, and give you an update because we're going to be in it pretty quick, okay? I'm just saying it's really making progress, but take one of those and do it however you want to Okay, on my break, let's dive in here, we got a lot to do On my break, I did a lot of praying, a lot of in, being in this book, a lot of thinking and reflecting And the two words i really kind of been focused on, and I kind of shared with the staff this past Tuesday in our all-staff meeting, the two words that came up out of this whole thing that God said, you need to focus on this, and that is clarification and evaluation. And clarification is clarifying where God is leading us, Pathway Church. Clarify where's God taking us, what's the plan, what's the mission, and kind of making sure that's very clear, and then evaluating That is evaluating how we're doing. How do we know we're making progress? How do we know we're moving the ball down the field? How do you know that you're growing personally in your faith? How do you know? So that's kind of, I'm going to invite you on a journey here over the course of the next four weeks. And let me begin by this. I did a lot of reading uh, while I was on my break. And one of the things I came across, an article, very interesting article that said most of us here, We'll not go see our doctor on an annual basis to get a checkup, to get a health checkup, because we're afraid that we're going to hear bad news. And so we just don't do it. Hello? Would you rather not know the news? Is it better to not know the news or to know the news? But can, 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 can can I start off here just kind of hitting you right between the face with something that is just truth. It is just truth. It is very important you know the truth about your physical health. You need to know the truth about how fit you are physically. Not just for the quality of your own life, not just for the longevity of your life, but for the quality and the health of the lives of the people around you because your physical health and well-being impacts everybody around you. You need to know the truth. So I want to encourage you, if you're not someone who does this, get in your life a plan, a pattern of going to see your physician on a regular basis to evaluate how healthy and how fit you are. And they have tools to help you understand that. If you go to your doctor, you know, you can put this on the screen. Four primary vital signs they're going to check. They're going to check your temperature. They're going to measure your pulse, your breathing, your blood pressure to find out really how fit you are And if you have a problem somewhere. You're going to go to the Mayo Clinic. They're going to take you to these, these five things right here. They're going to test your aerobic strength, your muscular strength, your endurance, your flexibility, your body composition to see how healthy and fit you are. If you're someone who's drunk the Kool-Aid of of CrossFit, like me and some of my friends, they're going to take you to this. How are you measuring on your nutrition, your metabolic conditioning, your gymnastics, your flexibility, weightlifting and flowing, how active are you in sport? And they look at that and tell you, here's how fit or healthy you are. You can go to any one of these modalities and a little bit of testing. You can find out the truth about your body. And you can then do something about it. Now, here's a little fact and truth for all of us. I don't care how physically fit or strong your body is. All of our bodies are headed toward the same fate. So the greater question is, how spiritually fit am I? That's the question I've been asking on my break. How spiritually fit am I? How spiritually fit are we? What is the condition of my soul? Where is my character headed? Where is my life headed? Where's it going? If I was to ask God, God, could you give, evaluate where I am in my spiritual life? How am I doing? So we're starting this weekend a message series we're calling The Perfect Fit. And I'm going to be asking you to be looking at some indicators, some signs to figure out and to measure yourself to find out how spiritually fit you are individually, how you are in your family, how you are just in your general walk in life. Okay, this is is going to be the ask. And we're going to look at one verse in the Bible here today that's going to point out these four different things. Now, to do this, you're going to have to to participate on our fitness scale. So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask if you did not get one of these right here when you walked in this morning, because you're going to get one every single weekend when you walk into worship. You need one of these right here. So we have some people standing here. If you didn't get one, I know you're shy. Just kind of raise your hand right here. Just kind of look at them like you're doing at an auction. And they'll give you one of these. Because I'm going to ask you to evaluate yourself four weeks in a row on four or five different things, and for you to assess how well you're doing. You cannot play unless you have one. Okay. So I'm going to encourage. If you don't, just kind of raise your hand. They'll walk the aisles. They'll they'll, they'll make sure that you do it. Now, so you're going to have a. This is what we're going to call our fitness scale to kind of measure how fit we are spiritually in certain areas of our life. Now, while you're getting ready on this, I want to warn you not to lie. Okay, And I mean that with all sincerity, because here's what all doctors know. All doctors know when you and I go see them, we lie. We lie to their face. We drink more than we tell them we drink. We exercise less than we tell them we do. I mean, your doctor will ask you how much you weigh. You know you're about to get on the scale, and you'll lie right to their face. And they'll go, huh, Really? So don't lie doctor was sitting down with his patient he's doing a little annual health checkup and he said hey listen how much do you smoke she said i don't smoke i quit so i guess those cigarettes in your purse are for your friends she said yep (laughs) don't lie this is between you and god not your neighbor you're not showing this to anybody else okay this is just for you and god and i will tell you god already knows it's not like you're going to go, you're going to put something and God's going to go, wow, I didn't know that about you. Wow. Really? you got to be kidding me. God knows. So I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself and know the truth about the spiritual state of your being. Okay? Now, we're going to do this by looking at at one verse. We're going to start off with one verse here that's in the Bible, okay? When you start reading the Bible, when you start reading the Bible, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to read about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then you're going to open up this book right here, and after you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a book called Acts. Say, Acts. Acts. Acts chapter 1 is about the ascension of Jesus into heaven. He's crucified. He ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 2, very critical chapter in the Bible. If you're someone who's trying to figure the Bible out, that is when God pours out his spirit, his spirit in a fresh way on his people. It's called Pentecost. Say Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, we have the birth of the church. And in one little verse, in verse 42 in chapter 2, there are four indicators of what would be the spiritual fitness of the church and of each individual follower. Look right here at Acts 2:42. I will join you in that. In myself, if I turn the pages to it. Here it is. They put it on the screen. It says, "They, the early followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer." Now, I want you to notice one little key word here that's in this text. If you've not circled it yet or underlined in your Bible, the word I want you to notice is devoted. Devoted. We're going to anchor this whole series in that word devoted. If you don't get this, you cannot do your evaluation of where you are in your fitness level. You can't do it. You've got to understand this. There's a big difference between devoted and dabbling. Every week on your little card, you're going to have this fitness scale of dabbling and devoted. You got to know the difference. Let me see if I can explain it this way. How many of you, if you're online, you can you can raise your hand and pretend everybody in the house can see you. How many of you have ever taken piano lessons? How many started, I want to see a raise your hand, piano, we got, I see a bunch of people raising hand, okay, okay, and here's the question. How many of you were so devoted to piano lessons, you had this great vision of being this master pianist, to mastering the keyboard, virtuosity, to be Liberace or Beethoven or some sort of pop rock, just incredible musician, that you never, ever, ever complained about practice, you never watched the clock, you never missed a practice, you never gropped. you never complained, uh, you never omitted at a scale. I mean, you did more than you were asked. And to this day, because you were so devoted today, you are a master musician at the piano. How many people were devoted to the piano? How many of you dabbled in it? Yeah. How many of you have ever exercised? I'm not going to ask the next part. <laughs> you know where the next question is. There's a big difference in dabbling and being devoted. If you're dabbling in something, you do it when it's easy. You do it when it's convenient. You do it when it works out to your advantage. You do it when you want to. Or you do it when someone's putting their thumb on you and saying you have to do it. But if you're devoted, and these early followers of Jesus were devoted to these four things. They were devoted. a way of life. They rearranged their life. They changed their priorities because they just knew, they just knew there was something about this man, Jesus, his way of living that would give them a power and a joy to live life like they never had ever experienced before for the rest of their life. And they wanted it. So they were devoted So we're going to kind of figure out what these four indicators are, these four signs of spiritual fitness. We're going to walk through it. I'm going to give you a question for each one so you can evaluate yourself. After we talk about it, I'm going to invite you to give yourself a mark, okay? I want to read it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Here's the first one, the apostles' teaching. And here's the question. Am I meeting God in the Bible on a regular basis? That's the question. That's the question for evaluation. When you read here in the text that these early followers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to you and me, that's what we read in this thing called the Bible. Everything that you and I read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, and on, can be traced back to an apostle and the community in which he taught. And what they taught the most about was Jesus. They were obsessed with Jesus. They were gripped by the way he lived his life. They couldn't get enough to hear about this man whose name was Jesus. Not just about his life and his teaching, but about They were blown away by his world-shattering death on a cross for the forgiveness of people's sins. And he was resurrected from the grave. Really? you got to be kidding me? They were overwhelmed. They couldn't believe it. And they were devoted to it. They wanted to know more. Not because they would get a gold star from God in heaven if they read it, or they heard about it or kind of studied it. Not not, not because it would free them of any guilt they had. Not because they have an obligation. They did it because they knew that when they were in the teachings and they were listening, immersed in the teachings of Jesus, and for you and me, it's in this book, that in this book they met a man who had given them a quality of life. And not only a quality of life on this earth, but a hope beyond life on this earth, beyond death. So they were devoted devoted to it. They just were so curious. And I will tell you, when somebody, when, when somebody is alive to God, when somebody is just alive to the presence of Jesus Christ in their life, you want to be in this book. You just want it. You want to be in it. You want, you're curious about the life of Jesus, about what he did. You're curious about what he said. You want to know everything you can about him, and it's here in this book. And you want the teachings of Jesus so embedded in your mind, the Word of God so embedded in your mind that it's just automatic, that what's in your mind comes out of your mouth automatically. That when you find yourself in trouble, when life gets hard, just automatically out of your mouth comes, just boom, without even thinking, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When something happens in your life and and life grips you and and death and and the smell of death and and all this sort of stuff of just knowing that your body and somebody's body you love is just kind of going sinking, sinking, sinking. You go, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Automatically, it just comes out of your mouth. You speak it out loud because it's so embedded into your head. When somebody curses you, when somebody says bad things about you, it's just automatic. Turn the other cheek. Love your neighbor as you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It just comes out. You wake up in the morning, you feel the weight of the world upon your shoulders, but automatically your mind thinks, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It just automatically comes out. Because it's so embedded into your mind, this book, and the words of this book, it just, boom, it comes out. You're driving in traffic. Somebody cuts you off. Automatically, out of your mouth, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) There's some other things you could do, right? But you don't. Because in this book, there is a response for everything in your So let me ask you something. Do you dabble? Or are you devoted? I want you to know devoted is not saying, hey, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. If you're a Christian, you may say, yeah, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. Yep, I I I believe it is to Research says that most people who say they're Christians in America, they would say, yep, the Bible's the inspired word of God, but that's not an indicator of your spiritual fitness. Sixty percent of people who say they follow Jesus cannot tell you one of the Ten Commandments and do it correctly. One out of three cannot tell you the, all, what, the, what the Gospels are in the Bible, the research shows. Seventy-five percent do believe that it's in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. It's not in the Bible. We talked about this. That was Benjamin Franklin. 12% believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife, Mrs. Ark. <laughs> not in the Bible. And it's because we dabble. Or oh, I don't want to read it. We avoid the Bible. If I avoid the Bible, I don't know what it says. I don't know how to read it. It's too complicated. I feel guilty. that I don't understand it. So I just put it aside and I don't even deal with it. I just say, nah, it's too hard. It's too complicated. So we push it aside. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's complicated and hard to read. But I'm just saying the truth is what the Scriptures say, an indicator of my spiritual fitness that I'm devoted to the teaching in this book so let me ask you do you have a plan do you have a plan of when you read do you have a plan of how much you read do you memorize certain chunks of, are you memorizing certain chunks of scripture not for right now but maybe for later on are you devoted to or are you just kind of dabbled around in this book can I just say something to all the young adults in the house Just something about all the the parents of young adults and everything. It's very interesting. President of Christian colleges. They say, you know, this next generation of Christians that's coming along, they're awesome. They're so full of love and compassion and justice. They want to take care of the planet. They want to make sure everybody's included, everybody's recognized, They all of that. See, the one thing that they're learning, these young adults, they don't know the Bible We're raising a generation of people who who, who name the name of Jesus, but they can't know about the book that talks about the name of Jesus. What kind of furniture do you want to have in your mind? There's always going to be something in your mind, always. In your mind, you're made and wired for thoughts always running to your mind. Let me ask you. What greater thoughts could you have in your mind running through it all the time than the thoughts that come out of this book? What kind of furniture do you have in your house? Why do you choose certain furniture pieces to put in your house? Not to show off to the world, it's for you. Your house is temporary, your mind is eternal. So I'm just asking you right now, that's, that's time. Measure yourself. Evaluate yourself. Where are you on this little design we got? Are you more on the dabbling in? Are you at 25%, 50%? Just personal time, you and God, right now. I encourage you, make a mark. Just kind of be honest assessment, of the truth of how fit you are when it comes to reading God's Word. Here's the second one. The second one is fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. Here's the question. Is God transforming my relationships? is God transforming my relationships. I visited with, visited with a local leader here in town, and he said, uh, Rick, i got a guy i got to visit with. He's a good friend of mine. I know him well, know everything about him. He's got some real serious bad stuff going on in his life, and we're about to have a hard conversation. I'm not looking forward to it. And my first thought was he's setting himself up to talk to me. He's going to talk to me. And I'm going, oh, no, <laughs> what did I do? Anybody ever anybody ever do that? You know, you think that you're the one that's going to be the object of the hard conversation? And none of us like to have those sort of conversations with people that we know and love and care for. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the human race, there was a community that developed that was totally different than how we did business out in the world. When the Holy Spirit came upon these early followers of Jesus and thing called the church... They wanted to hang out around like minded people who would have real conversations about life and not just talk about sports and the weather. Devoted followers of Jesus Christ want to hang out with like minded people who can talk about real stuff, be genuine, be authentic, be real. Here's warts and all here I am. I confess to you my brokenness. I confess to you my sinful nature. Here's where I failed. Here's where I'm weak. Here's where I failed in my marriage. Here's where I'm failing at parenting. Here's where I am failed in my sexuality. Here's where I failed in my finances. And I just need some people around me who love Jesus, who will help me become who Jesus wants me to be. And when you're a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you want people in your life like that for that sort of fellowship. Because God is transforming how you do relationship. You can say, here's my values about money. Here's my values about marriage. Here's my values ab- about parenting. Here's my values about intimacy. Here it is. Help me get better at it. But people who dabble, they kind of casually Hang out with other believers. They might come to worship. We might, we might come to worship, but we kind of hang out on the edge. We don't get too deep in the middle. Because if I get in the middle, somebody might really get to know me. <laughs> and if they really got to know me, they might call me out on something because they love me when want to help me grow. And I'm certainly not going to get in a small group. No way, because I might have to talk. And people would really get to know me then. And gosh, what if they got to know me? I mean, I'd just rather stay stuck in my dysfunction. I'd rather stay stuck in my issues. I, I like my insanity. I just want to stay in this little bubble because that seems to be it works for me, right? Until it doesn't. And people who dabble, very cautious about letting like, somebody get too close to really know the truth about the state of my soul and the state of how I live my life and my character. i with a friend of mine at the gym who works out at this gym and comes to worship here. And he said, Rick, I asked this guy to come to church with me. He said, you don't want me to come to your church. He said, how come? He said, I'm a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only. You know, the Jewish people have the same thing. It's H2DO, high holy days only. Dabbling is a multi-faith phenomenon. We just kind of dabble. But if somebody is alive to Jesus, it's transforming all the relationships. And the key thing is you're keeping short accounts. You just learn how to keep short accounts with people. Over here in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. This is a devoted follower of Jesus. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been, just stop right there. Do not give the devil a foothold. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say don't get angry. See, some of us think, hey, you pretend. I got to pretend I'm not angry. No, the worst thing you can do is to pretend you're not angry when you're angry. In our relationship, gosh, I don't want to tell. Yeah, you hurt my feelings, or I feel bad. Not, not I'm angry. Like, something bad might happen. Scripture doesn't say that. If you're a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you can be angry. In fact, Charlie and Martha Shedd, two of the great uh, marriage gurus in the history of the church, uh, did a lot of books, a lot of, lot of, lot of videos on marriage counseling, and said one time that Martha left a note on the, the kitchen table for Charlie. She said, Charlie... I hate you. Love Martha. <laughs> Short accounts. You're devoted to forgiving quickly. I forgive you. I'm sorry. They say stuff like that to make things restored quickly because it's transforming our. Rela- Here's who I am. Who's who so I'm not. Help me. So let me ask you on this. On this one right here, are you dabbling or are you devoted? Do you have people in your life who's helping you grow, helping hold you accountable, to help you become the character of the person that God has designed you to be? If you're dabbling, you still have sarcastic shots across the bow. You have lingering resentment. You're silently withdrawing, and you're being silent and not talking to your partner or your friend for a long time. I'm mad. But if you're devoted to the teachings of Jesus, when you're not dabbling, you forgive quickly. You move on, you learn, you move on, you let it go. You don't play these little dysfunctional family games of tit for tat and calling names and you just, they did that, they did that, they did that. Because God's transforming you and your relationships. Thirdly, let's move on. The third one is prayer. Prayer. Am I continually communicating with God? The Apostle Paul marked the prayer life of a Christian with this one verse over here in First Thessalonians, and he puts it this way. He says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's this constant communication with God. When you are aware of the physical fitness of your body, you are, your body is continually talking to you. And when you stop listening to your body, that's when you get in trouble. When you're in a marriage relationship or a friendship relationship, the relationship will talk to you and tell you when you're good. You know when you're good with your friends, don't you? You know when you're good with your spouse, don't you? You know when you're good with your friend, and when it's broken, when it's broken, you know when you're in a good, intimate relationship, you know when the communication is broken down. And when you're fit with God, you know. When the communication has broken down, because people who are devoted to prayer know the most intimate part of a relationship with God is this thing called prayer. There's nothing more personal or intimate with God when you learn to be continued in communication with Him in a prayerful relationship. It's beautiful. Are you devoted to prayer? There's something that happens in prayer that doesn't happen anywhere else. If you don't have this in your life, you don't yet know this. But you talk to someone. You talk to someone that's lost a loved one. You talk to someone who's had a spouse betray them. You talk to someone who has cancer. You talk to someone who's dying, and they will tell you there is something that happens in prayer I felt a peace that passed all understanding. It makes no sense. I felt like I was not alone, even though there was nobody in the room, because there's something powerful that happens in that experience. These people here in the Bible, they prayed in the morning. They prayed in the evening. They prayed when they were by themselves. They prayed when they were together. They just prayed, prayed, prayed. And they discovered a love that you cannot discover through another human being, and you discover that through prayer. And they prayed, not so they'd get a gold star in heaven, Not so they didn't feel guilty, not because the pastor said to. They prayed because they were convinced that they were not in control, that there's something bigger in the universe. And being so macho and independent and self-sufficient, and I can do it by myself, is not a very good life strategy because eventually life's going to hit you right in the face. And they were convinced that God exists. And that God cares, and that God listens, and that God responds, and that God is able. And so they prayed. And church, I've got to ask you again. Do you pray in a continual, regular basis in a relationship with God, or is it just when you're in trouble? Is it just when there's a crisis? Is it just when you need something? Is it just when you want something? Or is it because of the relationship that you have with God that is so personal and intimate, you cannot not pray? All the time. Some of you go, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. It's really simple. Quick little help. You'll see this on day five this week of your life note, life steps. It's very simple. It's conversational. It's, hey, God, it's me. Just, just start off saying, hey, God, it's me. God knows it's you, but it's just a good thing to say. God, it's me. And here's my situation. Here's how I'm feeling. Help me. And then you be quiet. Stop. Have you ever been around somebody who just won't stop talking? Sometimes God says, Will they please just stop talking? <laughs> and listen. And if you've been reading this book, I promise you there'll be stuff that will come to mind where God will speak to you and give you exactly what you need. God, I'm concerned about X. I'm concerned about Y. Then you write that person's name down. Here's why. And you put one word down that God knows about that person. God, what do you want me to do? And then you stop talking. Don't ask God just to do it. God, how would you use me in this situation? God, then listen. You get to the end of your day. Say, God, thank you. You get to the very end of your day. Just stop before you go to bed. Say, God, thank you. This happened. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for her. Thank you for him. Thank you. Thank you. Just end the day. There's something that happens in a person's life when that's just the way of life. It's like kissing your spouse before you go to bed. Thank you, God. So, where are you on this? Measure yourself. Are you devoted? Do you dabble? And here's the last one. Here's the last one. And it's the breaking of bread. And I got to condense this down. And the question is, Am I sharing my life with others? That's really what that breaking of bread means. That breaking of bread means is that they, their life, they shared their life by hospitality to let other people come into their life. That's what that means, and that was kind of radical back then. Because back then, I'm just going to take care of my family. I'm just going to take my little world, and and I'm not worried about anybody else. But when they got filled with the Holy Spirit of God, something radical happened, and they started inviting people from all walks of life, different tribes, different races, different ways, walks of living, different cultures, different political ideologies, say, come into my life, and I will feed you. I will love you, I will cry with you, I will weep with you, I will listen to you, I will walk with you through life. I will give of myself to you because God gave himself to me through Jesus Christ. And people who are devoted to that way of life is total radical in the world. And they just want to serve. I, I, God, I just want to serve. God, would you show me my spiritual gifts that you've given me, not to help me, but so I could be a blessing to other people? Would you do that, God? That's that person that's devoted to this concept. On my break, I walked around the church, and I would just see people serving. I would say, thank you for serving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for serving. Thank you. And they would just say, Pastor, it's a privilege to serve. No spotlight, no camera on them. They're just standing at the door welcoming people who walk into this door. They're walking through this space right here to someone who came for the very first time or sitting by themselves, hey, and they say hello to them. No camera, no spotlight. Online, there's a community of people who just welcome people that are online, and they communicate in contact with them and just make them feel warm and welcome. You don't know about it, it's there every week. Walk down this hallway, if you get get past security, you would see adults in this church who've adopted a bunch of kids. Those kids are their kids. You'll never know their name. That kid will never forget their name. Ever. They just wanted to give of themselves to somebody to help the next generation. People that are devoted, they have a plan of how they give their life to others. They have a plan in their giving. They have a plan how they tithe and how they're generous. A strategic plan, and they execute the plan. So I'm just asking you. Are you a dabbler in this and there ever? Or are you really devoted to the giving of yourself for the for other people around you? It's kind of like Pokemon Go. Being a Christian is kind of like Pokemon Go. And how many of you know what Pokemon Go is? A few of you don't want to admit it. I know Pokemon (laughs) Go. It's a video game on your phone. And you download the app and you go into the real world. And you have your little. And this is Pokemon Community Weekend. Just in case you wanted to know, I know. Pokemon Community Weekend. And you get, you download this app, and you go out into the real world, and through your phone, you you see all these things that nobody else can see, and you capture them, and they're everywhere. I know it's crazy. People play this game, bump into they're looking at their phone. One guy was doing this game in the delivery room. The nurse took a picture of it and posted it on social media. It went viral. He's playing Pokemon Go while his wife was delivering. He was obsessed with it. It's called augmented reality. That means you can see things other people can't see. Being a Christian, a disciple of Jesus is you're walking into augmented reality that you see things that other people can't see. That when you walk into the world, out of this room, you see human beings who need to be loved. You just don't see that political people and that color and that uniform and that. that. You see people like God sees them. And the motto is not to catch them all, which is Pokemon Go. Jesus' Go is to bless them all. You just want to bless as many people as you can. So let me ask you, where are you on this continuum? Where are you? Where are you? Are you blessing people or are you cursing people? Are you giving of yourself to be to make a difference in the world or is it all about you? Church, you will never do this. Be successful by yourself. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way they did it. You've got to ask for This is not a self-improvement plan. And I would finish with these two things. Number one is I wrote down in my journal, God, if you were to evaluate Pathway Church as a whole, Pathway Church, us as a body of Christ, on all these things, would you say we are closer to dabbling or we're closer to being devoted? And I'm really wrestling with that. How do we get better at that? And here's the last thing I would tell you. When you go see your doctor or your physical fitness trainer, they're not going to tell you this. The world is going to tell you your life is all about you. Be devoted to you, be devoted to your success, be devoted to your ego. Be devoted to your plan. Be devoted to what you want. And go get it. And just dabble in God. Just just dabble. Just play around with that religious stuff. The greatest danger for your life is not that you abandon him, you turn your back on him, or you ignore him. The greatest danger is that you dabble. And in this book, nowhere did Jesus say, "Come, follow me, and dabble." He says, "Take up your cross and follow me." So, God, we're about to walk out this room. And God, I've become extremely aware the people out there don't care what we dabble in in here unless we're different than how we act in the world out there. And God, I'm just afraid so many of us are still dabbling. Forgive me, Father, as a pastor. Forgive me, Father, as a leader. Forgive me for how I failed you. Forgive me, God. Help us as a church. There's so much good here, God. There's so much hope, so much possible. And the world, more than ever, God has need of the good news of a life in Jesus, devoted to Jesus, to heal marriages, to heal a nation, to heal dysfunctional families, to give kids who live in parents who don't give a rat's care really about their well-being who ignore them, who don't love them. The world needs your church. Heal us, Lord. Help us get fit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.